Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Command Partners, the top crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. Each week, I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Gareth Everard with the Rockwell Razors. Gareth, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Roy. Excited to be here. Awesome. We're excited to have you. So listen, you you ran a campaign in the fall of 2014 for the Rockwell Razor. You kicked butt on it. You ran into some issues. You know, um, what I'd like to do is kind of learn about your previous campaign what you're up to now, uh, and kind of, you know, let the conversation flow from there. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely happy to kind of share some of the, the ups and downs. And I know a lot of the, the listeners are, are hopeful Kickstarterpreneurs or people uh, who have run campaigns, so I'll try to drop in any tidbits that I can in terms of tips. So, yeah, you're right. The Rockwell Success campaign went live. That's a 6S, not success. Uh, a razor went live on Kickstarter in September 2014. It was my senior year of college. So kind of just jumped right into it. A friend of mine and I uh, launched the campaign and it had a goal of $12,000. We put it live on a Tuesday night and overnight it raised $18,000 and we woke up the next morning with a full-time business on our hands. Uh, so there have been some crazy ups and downs since then. And, uh, I guess we'll probably dive a little bit more into the specific lessons from the downs and later bit on in this interview. But uh, yeah, it's been definitely a lot of learning and uh, we're excited to be going back to Kickstarter with our next product that's actually launching. I think it'll have launched once this episode goes live. So that's pretty exciting. That'll be for the Rockwell Model T. So a new edition of the Rockwell. That's awesome. So I'm assuming you took a lot of feedback from your customers and obviously maybe some of the pain points as well from the campaign, you know, kind of discuss what happened uh, initially while, you know, you kind of fell into a full-time business. Yeah, so the Rockwell 6S is a adjustable safety razor. So what that means is that instead of using cartridges, which I'm sure you, Roy, you know, they're overpriced, uh, they give a lot of people irritation on their skin, they result in a lot of uh, ingrown hairs, there's a lot of bad stuff kind of associated with cartridges, and now there are a bunch of shaving startups coming out that are just trying to ration cartridge razors to you one month at a time, and essentially you're just paying the postal service to ship you razors once a month instead of buying them in bulk. So the Rockwell 6S uses uh, razor blades that cost 10 cents each, and they're just a single razor blade, so they actually give you a much more irritation-free shape. Now, the issue when people look at a razor that uses a single-edged blade is marketing has conditioned us to think that those kind of razors are harder to use. So we approached the Rockwell 6S in that could we make this adjustable? Could we make a razor where you could actually switch settings so that on lower size settings, uh, it was impossible to cut yourself. There was such a small gap between the razor blade and the rest of the razor that it was just a really great place to start to transition away from cartridge razor shaving. And then if you wanted to later up to a more traditional single blade shaving feel, or if you were shaving off, say, multiple days of uh, hair growth, you could do that by switching up between Rockwell size 1 and size 6, hence Rockwell 6S, 6 sizes. 
So uh, we put that live and kind of, like I said, $12,000 goal. We thought we'd find maybe a little niche community uh, or resonate with a niche community online. And it turns out it resonated with a lot more than that. And with absolutely zero marketing, no idea really what we were doing on the PR side or, or we truly were, were not trying to market it whatsoever. It ended up doing $18,000 overnight and almost 150000 in under a month. That's incredible growth. So, you know, obviously there, there are certain things that you hopefully did, you know, in terms of prepping the campaign out there before you, you know, pitched it and promoted it uh, to Kickstarter. So any any lessons learned on the pre-campaign preparation that you want to lend our li- listeners? Absolutely. So I think that a lot is said about pitching PR, uh, getting, you know, a big Facebook presence, uh, doing kind of the traditional things that people associate with uh, Kickstarter campaigns. We did a very different approach that turned out to be actually immensely successful. And I think coupled with the traditional approaches, uh, it would have made our campaign even bigger than it was. But we used Reddit as our primary marketing platform, but we didn't do it as, as marketing. As you might know, Reddit isn't really marketing friendly. So what we did is instead... Uh, we had an idea for this this product, a classic razor, and we identified that there were niches on Reddit. There are subreddits that have over 80,000 followers of the subreddit that is dedicated to something called classic shaving or wet shaving, which uses which is essentially the use of these these traditional razors instead of cartridges. So we began just we made profiles and, and tried to contribute to the discussion and add value and uh, on those subreddits and got our name out there. And uh, eventually, just you know, when we put up the campaign, we're familiar enough with the community that word spread pretty quickly about the campaign being out there. There was no hard pitching, no marketing from us, but it ultimately spread on that subreddit and on select kind of niche forums in that particular space. So I think there's something to be said for anyone making a product like a nice luxury watch or a new fountain pen or a new coffee maker, anything that you can look up and find a subreddit on your on the product uh, category that you're making a new product in, especially if you have no email list, if you have no following like we did, definitely taking a lot of time to add value and grow a following within a community on Reddit is the number one thing that I can suggest to anyone looking into launching a Kickstarter campaign for the first time. And that's great advice, Gareth. I mean, honestly, basically, you were able to tap into a community, obviously drive value there by giving your insights or feedback or just, you know, really being a member of the community before you even pitched or presented anything. Give us an idea of how long you spent, you know, on Reddit pre, you know, pre campaign in terms of engaging those communities, how much karma you built up, you know, before you were able to, you know, actually engage them with your product. It was, I think we spent two months just kind of existing on the forum and, and putting up comments. And uh, generally, I think existing is the best word for it. Uh, you just have to really focus on, on adding value with comments. And we put our, our handle was a reference to our, so our flair is kind of what it's called on Reddit, uh, referenced our company, but there was never any, hey, check out Rockwell. You guys should check out Rockwell. You guys should buy from Rockwell. Uh, it was just value add comments uh, and getting, I think, the name Rockwell visible to people ultimately spurred other members of the community on to share our product or project on our behalf once it did launch on Kickstarter. Awesome. Yeah, and that, that's key. I mean, Reddit is that type of community where it's the anti-marketing community where basically you really just have to join in, be part of that conversation and not market at all. 
if people are ready and you know want to engage you, then then so be it, and they'll ask. Um, so that's yeah. that's a great piece of advice for our listeners. Yeah, it's definitely been said before, before that at the at the early stages of any startup or small company, whatever you're going to call your your Kickstarter, to do things that don't scale. And I think that Reddit is a perfect example of doing something impactful, but not necessarily something that scales immediately. Exactly. So you had this successful campaign. It runs. When the campaign ended, what risks and challenges did you face immediately thereafter? Yeah, so this is where things uh, actually got kind of interesting. Uh, VentureBeat actually recently had me uh, a host, kindly hosted an article that I wrote called How My Kickstarter Campaign Blew Up My Life. And I'll try to summarize it here. Essentially, we you know, were two senior year college students who had an idea for a product that ended up resonating with people more than we expected. And we had a manufacturer lined up. And when you're going to go manufacture something out of metal, uh, I think this is true for electronics as well, you give them the design and they give you back something called the first article. The first article is 10 to 30 copies of the product, essentially what they've created based off your design saying, this is what the full production will look like. Uh, so we partnered with a investment casting manufacturer in the United States in the Midwest uh, who provided some some early, not prototypes, but first articles of our razor and said, if you guys pick us, if you do your full production of thousands of razors with us, this is what your production will look like. And we had 30 razors that looked amazing. And they were like, yes, these were made through investment casting. So uh, we... <laughs> We went to a third-party logistics center to get all the shipping set up. We showed them how to assemble the razor. This was all done in the States because we're Canadian, so we didn't want the razor back to cross the border a ton and get hit by duties as we were assembling and whatnot. So we just found a a third-party logistics center very, very close to our manufacturer, got everything set up so that uh, everything could go straight from the manufacturer to the 3PL, and it would ship out to our uh, 2,500 backers and uh, pre-order customers. So ultimately what happened was... The manufacturer had seen that we'd raised all this money and knew that we hadn't manufactured anything before. So what they did is to the investment cast first article that they made, they heavily machined it using a CNC, which is a precision tool. Uh, It's very expensive and does not scale at all, but it will make very, very good looking pieces off the bat. So they, they essentially super polished all the pieces that they sent to us and said, yeah, no worries. This is what the full production will look like. And because we outsourced all the quality control to them and all of the fulfillment to our 3PL, we naively assumed everything would be fine, and we didn't actually see every single piece as it went out to our backers. So we started getting feedback very quickly upon fulfillment that the razor didn't look like what we expected and what our backers expected. So from there, we had to backpedal, look at what happened, it became the issue that I just explained became very clear to us is we took thousands of pieces back from the third-party logistics center to my parents' basement in Toronto, Canada, and uh, we ultimately kind of had this decision to make, like, okay, we, we've shipped a not-ideal product to thousands of backers, what are we going to do? So ultimately what happened is we went to an engineer in Toronto, an engineering, great engineering firm, that said, okay, you can't make an investment casting, you must make a metal injection molding, and we're going to tweak the design, and we're going to fix this. And then, so I essentially took the rest of the Kickstarter funds and all my personal savings, invested it in a new mold, upfront mold, for metal injection molding. We're still manufacturing in America,
America at this point. Uh, we would actually still manufacture the Rockwell Success in America. And we went forward with metal injection molding manufacturing, and we shipped a free replacement of the razor to every single one of our 2,500 backers around the world with free shipping offered around the world. Uh, so we went from being ostracized by our backers, and a number of them were pretty upset with the first version of the razor, to ultimately we have a lot of raving fans, and I think it really added a lot of value, and people seemed really, really thrilled with the outcome of the campaign, ultimately. Yeah, and that's great advice, Gareth. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's great to see that you took the extra steps to truly deliver the product that you promised your backers. Uh, many times we see campaigns take that shortcut, potentially never deliver, go bankrupt. But, you know, it's great to see that you truly engaged your community on all levels, got their feedback and made it right. So my, my hat's off to you for that. What other feedback have you gotten from your community since, you know, delivering a quality product to them from the first campaign? I think that we've gotten that the Rockwell 6S, so there are two different kind of customers that I think I say we have. We have people who are familiar with classic shaving in this kind of razor, and we have people who are not necessarily, who were introduced to classic shaving through our Kickstarter campaign. The people who are new to classic shaving in particular uh, find that the Rockwell Success actually has five different pieces, and we send it in a box, and you can kind of keep all of the pieces, but you'll only use three pieces of the razor at once, and the rest of the plates are unused, and that's what kind of gives you the adjustability. So what we heard is that people were looking for a much more intuitive way to get that adjustability. So for 18 months, actually, we've been working on the Rockwell Model T, which is our new product that's just launching on Kickstarter on March 28th. And that is a one-piece razor. So instead of having these plates that you need to flip and take the razor apart, uh, we actually have a little adjustable dial. So you can very intuitively and easily change the uh, change the shave setting, the size setting, from uh, a very easy shave to convert from cartridge shaving to something that's better for if you're shaving off a few days of growth. It's just a much more intuitive, adjustable razor. So we're, we're really happy to take that feedback and then incorporate that into our newest product. And we have obviously a lot of backers and, and some fans that are very happy with the results of the first Kickstarter. So we're, we're really excited to kind of reveal this new product to them on the 28th. Absolutely. No, and I'm sure our community is going to be excited to see that new campaign. Give us one piece of advice that you've learned so far going through the experience once with Kickstarter already. Um, I think that transparency and making it right trumps all on Kickstarter. I think a lot of people try to uh, try to hide a lot in their updates and not make the updates visible to everyone and, and kind of really try to hide behind updates to their backers or not even give frequent updates whatsoever. I would strongly caution against this. Everything that you can tell your backers without giving your competition or perceived competition an unfair advantage over you, you should be willing to share with them. Uh, not, not for any reason other than it just grows your community bond so much more. The comments will be more positive, the emails you get will be more positive, people will be more likely to share by word of mouth about your product. I think it just really, really strengthens your brand to be as transparent as you can kind of legally be. Great advice for everyone, not only Kickstarter companies, but uh, obviously in business general, right? 
So, Garrett, this jumps us into our launch round where I rapid-fire questions at you. Uh, are you ready? I'm ready. So what inspired you to be a, a, a razor entrepreneur or a shavepreneur? Shavepreneur. I like that. I haven't heard that before. I was inspired to be an entrepreneur when I realized just midway through university that working for someone else wasn't going to work for me. So that's probably a feeling that is familiar with many of your listeners. My friend and I, Morgan, my co-founder and I, were uh, working on a business. He was buying old straight razors, like, you know, Sweeney Todd straight razors from estate sales. He would refurbish them and then sell them on Etsy for a massive profit. And we were thinking, how can we scale this business? And we saw uh, safety razors and other classic shaving products as an opportunity to get into entrepreneurship in a space that we were pretty familiar with. So for me, it's just an entrepreneurial launching pad. And uh, I really enjoyed myself so far. If you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to have coffee with or share a shave with? Probably not share a shave with. I don't think he'd have the time, but uh, if I could ever grab Elon Musk for like a five-minute coffee, that would probably complete my my life. What would be your first question to Elon? How how on earth do you do everything that you do? I'd, I'd probably end up like a little girl starstruck at meeting a celebrity, and then I would, I would finally figure out the questions that I wanted to ask him. Mostly I'm really interested in his ability to manage multiple massive companies at once. Frankly, he's just, I think he's inspiring not only to me, but to a lot of entrepreneurs my age, and, and maybe not even my age, just his ability to innovate in such a meaningful way and also get just so much done in so many different significant, impactful spaces. Absolutely. Are there any business books or life books that you'd love to recommend to our listeners? One of my absolute favorite books is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Uh, it's a book based uh, around the ancient philosophy of Stoicism, which uh, essentially, if I can just... <laughs> put it into one sentence. It's, it's seeing things as they are and not overreacting and not underreacting to any things that come your way. And frankly, I think they saved me during my Kickstarter campaign, being able to take the take the bad things that happened uh, and not perceive them necessarily as bad, but simply as things that happen and things that need solutions found. Uh, and and so to simply approach them to find solutions instead of wallowing in self-pity for some outrageous amount of time. Uh, I think that all of those lessons can be applied to just about anything in business and seeing things as they are and solving problems as they are instead of making them out to be more or less than they truly are. So uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. That I keep on audiobook on my phone at all times. Awesome. Every problem, there's an opportunity, right? Um, Gareth, what would you say is your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness is... Uh, I think sometimes I can get distracted too easily, but I'll, I will deep dive into a project for an entire day and then realize that nothing else on my to-do list got done because all I did was focus on one thing. Um, so that's probably my biggest weakness. If I could change anything, I would <laughs> I would get better at managing my to-do list and not in terms of like wasting too much time, but I guess wasting too much time on something that I perceive to be productive until the end of the day. And you're like, that wasn't productive at all. That should have taken one hour and it took 12. Fair enough. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? I would really, really like to be growing Rockwell in five years. I think it has a big chance to be a, a player in the razor industry. Uh, and maybe take a page out of Elon Musk's book. And uh, my, my degree is actually the, the degree I graduated with last May as an environmental science. And the reason behind that is I'm, I'm very, very interested in renewable energy 
Uh, so any any foray into renewable energy uh, is definitely something that I'm looking at and uh, hoping to build off of Rockwell into something that's kind of more more into my wheelhouse in terms of what I saw myself uh, producing as an entrepreneur later in my life. Awesome. Final question, Gareth. What do you think the future of crowdfunding looks like? I think that crowdfunding is a platform for people, uh, consumers, to vote with their money on what companies and what products they'd like to support. I think that applies also for equity crowdfunding as equity crowdfunding gets larger. Essentially, crowdfunding just will democratize product and company launches so that people are able to connect with other people and share visions and share transparency around early stages of company and product development. I think that crowdfunding will only grow, uh, and I'm excited to see where it goes, but I, I anticipate crowdfunding being a very significant part of both small and big business product uh, and business launches uh, many decades into the future. Garrett, this has been awesome. I appreciate you coming on to our show. Uh, give our listeners your pitch. Tell them what you're all about and where people should go and why they should check out the new Rockwell campaign. Absolutely. Yeah, so the Rockwell <clears throat> Model T, which is live on Kickstarter as of the posting of this podcast, is a super intuitive take on the classic razor. Uh, it means that you can use 10-cent razor blades instead of being beholden to shaving clubs and big evil razor companies that want to sell you extra loop strips and pivoting balls on your face and ration your cartridges to you one month at a time. You actually don't need any of that stuff. You can get a very close, comfortable shave with a single blade and an adjustable razor. So if that sounds interesting to you at all, you should go on Kickstarter and look up the Rockwell Model T. That's just the letter T. And uh, let me know what you think. We're at info at rockwellrazors.com, and I will do my absolute best to get back to you within you know, as soon as possible if you have any questions or want to give a shout-out or anything at all. Uh, or or you need and want any feedback or help with your upcoming crowdfunding campaign, I'm also happy to do that. Awesome. Gareth, thank you again for coming on our show. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all of the show notes, links to everything we talked about, and a full transcript of this week's episode. Okay. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and share it with your friends. If you need a more hands-on crowdfunding marketing strategy, please visit our website at commandpartners.com and request a quote. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next time.